what capacities or parameters does kink create ultra-intimacy? From KCRW, this is How's Your Sex Life? And I am Maisha Battle. How are you today? I'm so excited to be back with you this week. We're at episode six, you guys. This is wild. And today we're going to do things a little differently. We have a guest co-host. That's right. It's our very first guest of the season. And he is someone who I am very proud to say is part of my community. His name is Justin Hall. Justin is a cartoonist, educator, and scholar who is currently the chair of the MFA in Comics program at California College of the Arts. His accolades are many And he is at work on a graphic novel weaving memoir with queer San Francisco history for Abrams Books. And he's here with me now in the studio. Justin, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here for the sexy sixth uh, episode. (laughs) We love alliteration here. (laughs) I think I sort of lisped that a little bit, but okay. It's okay. Sexy sixth. Mm -hmm. Um, So Justin, typically we do the show Q&A style, and we got one question that I just felt needed a bit more of a deep dive. So I'm glad you're here because it's about kink. And as someone who recently posted a comic in honor of Folsom Street Fair, which is a celebration of all things kinky, um, of uh, the, the, the depiction was of a man who was bound and gagged, um, I thought you'd be a great guest to help me out with this question today. So let's take a listen. Hey, Maisha, this is a question from my partner. In what capacities or parameters does kink create ultra intimacy? And in what ways does it actually block real intimacy? This is a really great question. Um, I think first it would be good to have just like a working definition of what Mm -hmm. kink is, which from a sexological standpoint, it's just non-normative sex. And we can talk about what normative is until the cows come home. But essentially it's like sex for procreation. That's it. So, I mean, that means that kink (laughs) is like a whole world Mm -hmm. that is just not that. And I mean, I know that that kink exploration can open up so much in terms of intimacy. I mean, there's a lot of trust involved, a lot of communication, but I'd love to hear from you, um, you know, maybe address this first part of like, how might kink create what this listener calls ultra intimacy? Well, first of all, first off, I just have to say that the man with the question has a, or the person with the question has a wonderfully sexy voice. I was just, it's just sort of the first thing that grabbed me. Um, but moving, moving beyond that, um, I th- my first reaction is is really about. Um, I, I think that kink can be extremely. Uh, intimate when it's um, manifesting different um, desires and fantasies um, by the people involved, right? Because that's a deep dive into someone's psyche, into sort of listening to someone else, understanding their their relationship to desire, their own sort of, you know, e- oftentimes even hidden desires. And that's an incredibly intimate thing to do, to really trust someone else to go on that journey with you is, is incredibly intimate. Um, it can be very bonding. However, I would say that as, as a relationship continues into sort of... Um, 
uh, it might have a longer term relationship and that can get a little bit com more complicated when it has a kink basis to that relationship. So, uh, for example, I know many people who have, you know, long-term daddy-boy relationships, for example, or, you know, pup relationships, you know, um, and <clears throat> that can last for a long time, but sometimes they also then go into being primary relationships, right? So, um, they might be husbands or, you know, primary partners of, of some kind, and then that can get a little trickier um, because the power dynamic that's part of that kink relationship then can get in the way of the functional intimacy of a long-term primary relationship. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So we're drawing a distinction here between like a situational kink relationship versus like a lifestyle uh, relationship. I mean, some people really do in embody their role um, you know, as a dom or mm -hmm. as a sub 24 seven with a partner. Um, but that's a different type of relationship than one that has a kinky component to it. But, you know, you're cohabitating and you have to, you know, maybe pay bills and, and do that in a, you know, like fight it out in a way that like, you know, your needs are heard and, right. and you're seen as maybe an equal partner that maybe wouldn't be as allowed in a lifestyle environment where, you mm -hmm. know, if the bills are paid, daddy's paying it, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm just a baby. <laughs> I don't have any money. Right, exactly. I'm in a diaper. What do you, want, what do you expect from me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Or like, I'm just here, like, I, I clean the dishes. Like, I do everything mm -hmm. else. But like, that's your responsibility where things are like clearly delineated. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be, to be fair, the, the traditional heterosexual um, uh, relationship has, marriage was that, in fact. Right. Where women couldn't own property or like a credit card and the, the man had to actually escort them everywhere, right? So so this sort of kink-oriented long-term relationship is in fact sort of ingrained in our, our the traditional relationships that we look to in our culture. I love that you said traditional because there's this whole dialogue now about like trad life, you know, and trad oh, wives. And I'm like, if that's your kink, man. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a very extreme. I, I'm, it's a very extreme kink. Like just stick with water sports and running. Like <laughs> trad life sounds really out there. It's a lot. Um, it is a lot. Um, but you know, we're not here to kink shame. No, um, no. God bless. Yeah, <laughs> goddess bless. Whatever, whatever's happening here. Well, yeah. So um, the block in intimacy. I think you know for. Someone who's exploring this maybe for the first time and is sort of wanting to get their parameters and wanting to know, okay, how do I, how do I go deeper with intimacy and make sure I'm avoiding, you know, the things that might cause a block in intimacy? Here's one thing that I think can be really tricky that could be a barrier to intimacy as far as I've seen it with my clients is like, you mentioned so many different um, dynamics or names for the dynamic of, you know, someone who is more dominant and mm -hmm. someone who is more submissive. But that language is really important. Yeah, uh, words matter tremendously. And it's one thing to sort of explore in a visceral way a kink that might be, you know, in the moment, right? Like you're exploring together, you know, fisting or something like that. And you're just sort of in the, the visceral physical moment of it. And that's really exciting and wonderful. But if you're taking kink into role play or into um, a continuing dynamic, you're going to have to bring in words. <laughs> and those words become really important. Right. Um, and they really should be mutually agreed upon, right? So even though 
you know, pretty much everything we're talking about is a, a, is some sort of allegory for power dynamics, right? That's really what it's about, this sort of at its core. But those those permutations of it, those manifestations of, of the power dynamic, really do matter. Like I'm, you know, very much allergic to dogs, so um, <laughs> so the whole pup play thing just makes me want to sneeze. It's just not <laughs> it's not going to work for me. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. Um, well, I think that we have addressed this person's question. Yes. You know, there there are edges. And I definitely think there are possibilities for this to deepen their experience mm-hmm. with their partner. Really, we talked about a lot of things that are so important in any relationship, mm-hmm. but specifically in kinky relationships. Yeah. We talked about communication, trust, mm-hmm. aligning on desires, mm-hmm. and then, you know, creating a safe environment for that. And I think kind of the, the, the figuring out where the kink rests in the relationship, whether it's a compartmentalized thing that only happens in the bedroom, or is it something that you want to bring into your daily life in some way? Mm-hmm. And that, that's a very different kind of conversation. But of course, all of them require conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the main thing is that they continue speaking to their partner with that sexy voice. And I think that's going to really... <laughs> Really help out. All of the act, all the all of the questions are voiced by voice actors, but oh, you know, see, burst my bubble. Oh my goodness. Okay, whatever. Maybe we can put you in touch. Right, we'll see. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be chatting with Justin about what actually makes something kinky for him. And we are back. I'm excited to dig into this conversation about kink a little bit more by asking our lovely guest today, Justin Hall, some questions about himself. So, you know, I have clients who are like, well, I'm not kinky. I just like really love to be choked out and uh, dominated or whatever. And even before we had this session, you were like, I'm no kink master or expert, I think was the word that you used. So it it just strikes me how relative this term is. And we talked a little bit earlier about how it, de- it really depends on the community that you're in, like what constitutes kinky and how kinky are you, et cetera. It's a spectrum. Um, but, you know, what what it comes down to is this this idea of non-normative sex. So that can mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, you know, do you have a personal definition of what you think kinky is that you kind of apply to the sex that you're having in the world? Or it does it mm. change mm-hmm. based on the person? Does it change based on your mood? Yeah, I think it's not it's not a binary sort of kink or non-kink. Um, it's def- definitely this sort of uh, range of possibilities and absolutely is contextual, right? So um, what you were saying before, um, you know, I, <laughs> uh, for, for some people, you know, water sports would be really, you know, incredibly kinky. And it, it doesn't even sort of occur to me as like, oh, if someone wants to meet it, piss in their mouth, like, of course, like, I mean... <laughs> I'll just hydrate first. I mean, whatever. It, it doesn't even strike me as particularly kinky. Um, and so, but, uh, or, or, you know, or rimming or something, which just seems like basic. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, in fact, it seems more kinky to me to not, for if someone, every once in a while I'll run, run into a guy who doesn't, usually someone who's like a, an exclusive top and has this sort of, sort of weird macho, like, um, investment in being his, you know, alpha top. And he won't touch, uh, won't touch another, another guy's dick or like won't, or won't rim someone or some stuff like that just seems so completely out of bounds to me that that seems actually kinky, um, as opposed to not kinky, um, because it's such a fetish, a sort of reverse fetish. Yeah. The fetish is not doing something, right? Right. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I, you know, my personal definition is um, I tend to be able to roll with whatever people come to me with, right? I really get off on someone else's um, uh, pleasure, right? So if someone else is really into this thing, I love going there with them. Like that is the feedback loop is I'm all about that feedback loop. Okay. Um, so I can roll and I have rolled with pretty much every scene you can imagine um, at some point. But I tend to not... Um, instigate that stuff because it doesn't, unless it's the feedback loop I'm getting from the other person, I, um, uh, the, the cue I'm getting from the other person, then I tend to just sort of default to my own. I love to suck and fuck, yeah. uh, which just seems sort of, seems sort of normative. I think of myself as sort of like a heart, like a, a French vanilla, <laughs> <laughs> like a hard vanilla with, you know, with the little vanilla flakes that you used to get for Briars. Yeah. Cream. Which goes with everything, and which goes with everything. And it's really tasty mm -hmm. and it's not boring. It's actually a really great flavor. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, but it goes with everything. So that's sort of what I, how I think of myself. I love um, that. Mm. I do love that. So your kink is kind of, uh, I'm, seeing I'm, the pleasure <laughs> in other people's kinks or, you know, the things that they enjoy. And that, and that scoop of uh, vanilla ice cream on the top of any kind of pie you want. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, a la mode. <laughs> That's your nickname from now on. I'm going to put you in my phone that way. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, is there something that has surprised you about the kink community, especially here in San Francisco? I think we can talk more about that or like how maybe it compares because you are a world traveler and, you know, how that the, the community that we have here maybe differs from places other than SF. I will say, I will just give a shout out to San Francisco. I keep on, I know I keep on mentioning San Francisco um, in this, in this podcast, but um, it, it's a, and it's an amazing place in a lot of ways. And I, a shout out to the the people that have made it so right. And in particular, the Kingsters. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, uh, historical comics um, based on queer San Francisco history and uh, looking into the early leather scene uh, and kink scene here. And it's, you know, um, Folsom Street used to be called Miracle Mile because there would be like um, motorcycles lined up for blocks and blocks. And it was all leather bars and um, bathhouses and sex clubs. Can and, you imagine? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome yeah, to think about. I know. <laughs> um, and, you know, they fought hard for those for those liberties. And um and paid dearly for, for you know, obviously with the AIDS crisis. So, and gentrification, you know, at those battles. Actually, the Folsom Street Fair started as an anti-gentrification um, uh, march or um, um, street protest, actually. Mm -hmm. And then became sort of the kink, uh, the biggest, the largest kink event in the world. Um, but I just, I, you know, San Francisco is remarkable in that in that way. It's incredibly open and incredibly dynamic and non-judgmental and experimental and exciting and friendly. Um, and, and it's it's a good community here. Um, and it's interesting, like, you know, like looking at, for example, Berlin, uh, where things, you know, the Germans are a little bit more rule-bound. <laughs> yeah. So the difference between Folsom here and then Folsom Europe, which takes place in Berlin, is interesting, where um, uh, Folsom Europe is very much, you know, it's almost all uh, gay men, uh, usually cisgender gay men, and um, they all have this sort of specific parties, and the specific, I mean, it, it's wildly sexual. It's very, very sexual, even more so than in San Francisco. But, um, but it's sort of, it's got its clear categories. Whereas in Folsom, um, here in San Francisco, you really don't know what's going to be around the corner. And it could be, you know, any sort of display of, of sexuality or, you know, gender or whatever. So it's really, that's exciting. Yeah, I agree. Man, you brought up so many things um, that, I don't know, kind of uh, make me think about you as a person. Because one of the things that I thought about when I was thinking about a guest to come on for this episode was, you know, somebody who really kind of seamlessly 
uh, weaves sex into work, into play, into travel, into, I mean, this is really a through line. And that's something that my clients really struggle with. It's like, if they embrace this sex piece, then what does that say about them? And I'm in awe that like, you're like, well, I teach at this university or I'm a chair of this, you know, uh, art school and, you know, your, your profile on Instagram is not private. Um, you know, you're a fixture of the community. When I first met you, uh, I was invited to a show of yours. It was packed to the gills. I couldn't even see the work because you bring out a crowd and that's a testament to, you know, your character and, and how deeply entrenched in the San Francisco scene you are, you know, you're a part of this community deeply. So, um, I just wanted to give that shout out too, that I really appreciate that, um, there's nothing really hidden you know, I'm a Virgo, so I hide things. Uh, <laughs> that's Nicole. my that's my kink. <laughs> Virgo kink, I love that. I'm, I'm an Aquarius, so so everything is just like splashed about. Um, so, um, but thank you. You just made me really verklempt about that. It was really sweet. Uh, um, but I would, I guess, I um, uh, so some some thoughts. Um, I, when I first arrived in San Francisco, it, I landed in Valencia Street uh, in the Mission, which is um, where I still live. And so, yeah, I've been here for 27 years, 28 years. Um, and it was the epicenter of dyke culture, right? It was like, you know, lesbian ground zero. Mm-hmm. And I, I moved in Lexington. Lo- Lexington, the Lexington Club, Osenta Baths, the Bearded Lady Cafe, um, all, all, it, the litter box. It was just an incredible time to be in San Francisco. And um, I landed with, you know, basically a bunch of women, an apartment with a bunch of women. I was known as The Boy. And I was like, I have a name. <laughs> but then I like go-go dance for dyke punk bands. And like, I mean, that sort of expression of sexuality and gender was also incredibly important to me. And it's, it's also part of the the fabric of San Francisco. And then there's an incredible trans community here as well, which is really wonderful. And I feel like bisexual people are also sort of given more, you know, credence and, and respect here than in most places. I agree. Um, so uh, the whole panoply of kind of queer panoply, and of course it affects, you know, straight cis people too, right? They they also have a lot more freedoms here. Um, so it all sort of is in synergy. Um, and in terms of, um, so it, it's funny that you should mention about, I mean, I am the chair of this program in, at California College of the Arts, and I keep on waiting to get fired. <laughs> I wondered what you thought about that. If you were just like, oh, I'm just going to see how long I can do this. I mean, or if you, if you were like, I got the job, like clearly yeah. I, I can do the job. So deal with it. Well, I also feel like, what does it take to get fired in, a, in an art school in San Francisco? Word. I mean, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of like t- actually bad things I get, you know, which I don't do obviously, but I think of myself as a good person, but, but, you know, things like being kinky is not going to get you fired here. Right. Um, and which I, I love, which I love. Right. And I even, so I'm, I used to um, be a porn actor and um, I'm making comics about that. And, you know, I really kept that more secret initially. And then I realized that at some point it just sort of gave me street cred from <laughs> in my school. And I do, I come in also, I did a, a porn series called, um, uh, an erotic comic series called hard to swallow with Dave Davenport. And uh, I, uh, at some point in my, during my, my course um, that I teach and for the incoming cohort on comics history, um, I come in with a big stack of porn comics and I sort of slam it on the table. And I say, you all should make pornography at some point in your career because sex and sexuality and desire are one of the great, you know, represent one of the great profundities of the human existence and the great mysteries of life. And they're up there with 
birth and death and like all these really important things, and we should be making great art about them. And the problem, and also if you're a queer person, a woman, person of color, you should never let someone else colonize your sexual experience. Right. You should be making your own porn, and you should do it authentically, and people will love you for it. And you'll make the world a better place. The problem is not with porn, it's with bad porn. Oof. So I mean, that's... <laughs> bringing you back for that episode. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I, I want to get us back to to like the practical nuts and bolts, so to speak, of really kinky nuts, sex. Nuts and bolts. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. I had to. Uh, whips and chains <laughs> of kinky sex. Have you ever not had sex with someone because they were into something really specific that you weren't into? That's interesting. Um, I usually, I'm really good at <laughs> finding common ground. <laughs> I think of myself as a good communicator. So like uh, I did have this one. I actually made a comic about this one one incident if you want to hear about this yeah, one incident. okay please. so so i was at the hole in the wall bar and there was an, a, another man with me I, I started chatting with him and then this third guy came up and he was like oh you guys are both hot let's go back to my place for a three-way and we're like okay uh, so we, we all went back to his place and he had this like little pomeranian and uh, was sort of <laughs> yapping at him and he was really drunk um and he passed out right away and then the the dog was like really excited about that and kept on like licking the guy's feet and then his legs and all the way up to his crotch and getting in and and every once in a while the guy would sort of wake like half wake up and be like oh no fluffy go away go and then he'd pass and fluffy would stop for a moment and he'd pass out again and fluffy would be like right back at it <laughs> so it's like clearly this is this had happened before oh, boy. so the other guy and I are just sort of like we've been fooling around a little bit and we're sort of looking watching this transpire. And then I noticed the guy keeps on like tugging on my balls, like really tugging on my balls. And and I'm like, you know, actually, Al, like that's actually not, I don't, I'm not that into, you know, ball torture. So can you stop that? And he was like, well, that's actually a problem for me because what I want to do is I, I want to stuff your balls into your own butt. I was like, well, I, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's really going to stretch out that way. My jaw, my jaw is, I'd have to, I have to pick it up. Okay. So I was like, well, I, that's not really my thing. Can we do something else? Can I suck your dick or whatever? It was like, no, that's actually really all I'm into. Okay. All right. So, so we're sort of stymied there. And the other guy is basically passed out at this point and the dog is doing whatever. And so, so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to sort of back out of this whole situation. It's a lot. <laughs> and the, the guy, uh, the ball tugger, you know, saw me to the door and I was like, you should leave too, right? You don't know this guy. And you're just, he's passed out. And he was like, well, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. And I was like, oh, should I even leave? Like, it's this, but like, I, it's like two, three in the morning. What? Like, I just, I got to go home. So yeah. I go home. And then the the next day, I actually saw the guy who had passed out on the BART, and he was on the station. I was in the car, and I'd never seen him before or since, right? So, and I saw him, I was like, oh my God, you, you're okay. And he kind of looked at me, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, last night, the, the guy with the balls and the dog, your dog, and like, well, I just want to make sure you're okay. And he kind of looked at me like I was insane, and then the door shut. Oh like, my God. <laughs> the, the bar door. And then I just took off, and I was like, oh, he didn't recognize me at all. He didn't remember me. Oh, man. So. You know, and this is also like, a it's a great, it's a great story. And it's also a great story about how the city is like, I always call it like a big little city. It's mm -hmm. like, what are the fucking right. odds? Oh, absolutely. Jesus. Okay. But so, so I, to, to bring it back to your question, I will say that yeah the the ball the ball tug balls into the into the butthole like 
I, I'm I'm very <laughs> proud of this guy for like manifesting. You know, he's very clear about his what his kink was, and mm-hmm. but um, I I just wasn't there for it. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I would I would have <laughs> been in the same boat if I had balls. Um, well, you you mentioned that you are a good communicator, and I would argue that that person probably needed to give you a heads up like before anything Mm. happened like hey like this is the thing i'm into are you into this rather than just like aggressively start yanking (laughs) to see what he could get away with but you know people are people um what are what are some of your general tips for being like a better sexual communicator whether that's about kink or just about desires in general I think a lot of it is, I mean, there's obviously all of the verbal components, right? Which you've mentioned, like having conversations about things. And, um, but there's also a lot of nonverbal stuff that you got to like, just pay attention to as a, as a empathetic person, right? Just like, if you notice someone's body language starting to freeze up or tense up or like do something, just pay attention, you know, slow it down, stop, stop the scene, you know, are you okay? Are you doing okay? You can, you can feel people's, you know, reactions physically, uh, um, you know, you can see it in their bodies. Yeah, I agree. And I think that you are better able to do that when you're not on substances, mm-hmm. when you're like in the moment and in your body, which is like, you know, a lot of times when we're having sex, you know, we're we're numbed out to a certain degree or like not paying attention. But I do think that these are things that you can cultivate regardless of your state of mind, mm-hmm. I think, to be an empathetic person noticing, oh, something's changed I got to, I got to pull back here for a moment um, and check in. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. Even, I mean, you know, a lot of people have some sort of altered state that they combine with sex and I do as well at times. Um, And, you know, but you can still have good communication even through that. I mean, obviously if it's one thing, if someone's like, you know, completely blotto, but don't, don't go there because yeah. it's a, it's not going to be good sex. Right. And, and then also just, right. But if you're doing a little bit of altered states to like, you know, in, enjoy the sex more to lower inhibitions a little bit or whatever it may be, um, just sort of adjust your communication style to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Pay a little bit more attention. Um, give it things a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Fully, fully agree. Um, all right. Uh, before we go, I want to play a little game. Mm, and I'm calling it kinky or not kinky. So you earlier, I think, touched on the fact that, you know, you have a pretty maybe skewed view of what's kinky, having been in the San Francisco sex scene for a while. But then there are a lot of people I want to address the like, the kind of like stuff that we think of as sort of meh that could be kinky based on the definition that we've been exploring here. So, or also like what the, what the culture says to us is kinky. Well, can I also, like you mentioned uh, procreative sex, right? Yeah. Because my entire existence is non-procreative sex. Right. You know? So, so I think just by that definition, I'm sort of, uh, you know, in the kink realm automatically. Right. Right. And I, I can speak more on that because uh, according to the DSM, you know, homosexuality was a paraphilia for, ages. Mm-hmm. So we as human beings have decided on these these norms and non-norms and put people in these boxes. And something that I really wanted this conversation to eliminate, and I, I, I hope that it did, is that like these distinctions aren't helpful mm-hmm. if they go against what you innately are drawn towards and where you derive your pleasure. So calling something kinky or not kinky, I mean... But this, this this is a little bit uh, a tongue in cheek, playful, yeah. you know, 
fuck you to the distinctions themselves. (laughs) But here we go. Um, Blindfolds. Oh, I I, lo- I think they can be done. Okay, uh, c- contextual as well. Like, I think you can do a whole scene around a, a blindfold. They can mm-hmm. be quite kinky. Mm-hmm. But just blindfolds is sort of a normal part of play. Absolutely not kinky. Right. Like, yeah, every once in a while, you just sort of like, hey, can I, you know, can you, every once in a while, I'll be, I'll be fucking around and I'll be like, can you throw a blindfold on me? I just want to like lie back and see what you do. And, or I'll put a blindfold on someone else. So, absolutely. But you know, there's all these like, you know, uh, porn stores that have like the kink kit that comes mm. with the blindfold. Mm. And the handcuffs. So that's why I was like, listen, like, how kinky is this? Yeah. I mean, again, like if, yeah, you can make a whole scene out of it, you know, but, you know, to tie the person up and you do the whole, you know, but just throwing a blindfold on in the middle of a sex scene, ah, that's not kinky. Go for it, kids. (laughs) That's hard. It's it's French vanilla. Try it. (laughs) You'll like it. It's a la mode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next one is smelling your partner all over, especially their armpits and genitals. Oh, that's just normative. (laughs) That's not even, oh my goodness. Do people not do that? Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm just, that makes me sort of sad that some people would not do that. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's not, yeah, not even. Mm. I have so many clients who are like, I'm grossed out by my own smell, my partner's oh, no. smell. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it is that thing that we get fed that's about being clean, being, and it, it, it takes us away from that primal yeah. uh, need to connect through our senses, yeah, you know, pheromones. and the pheromones are most prominent in our armpit smell yeah, and our genitals absolutely. For, attra- for attraction. Yeah. It's why I have a beard. Oh, flavor saver. I know. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's just, oh, yeah, shocking. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, there are, you know. I have run into guys where their scent is less attractive to me than others. Sure. I mean, absolutely. And uh, there's also, you know, some people can get, you know, can get really ripe in ways that are not, not exciting for me. But, but yeah, basic, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and actually deodorant. How dare you? Oh, how dare you? I know. I, I've run into, you know, guys that, with deodorant on at like the, aren't at the, the Eagle or something like that. And there's the Eagle beer bus. Everybody's like hanging out. It's really a great daytime gathering. And, it's it's sort of um, aggressive and offensive to wear deodorant because then I like, guess someone's going to stick their face in your armpit and like you're gonna, they're going to get all greasy like that's mm, disgusting. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's more of a logistical thing, but like a scent. Like what if, it, if it's a natural scent? Like today I put on like a little sage spray. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, just a little freshener. But if you're going to go into like a kinky space, like uh, that would be different, right? Okay. Like, right. I mean, in some some place, the eagle is sort of. It's uh, um, social. It's not like sex doesn't happen there, but it's still very sexual. Yes. Right? People are going to be licking each other's armpits as a way of saying hello. (laughs) That's sort of the San Francisco hello. I know. I love it. (laughs) I think it's great. Um, Cosplay. That strikes me as more kinky, to Mm -hmm. be perfectly honest, because... A lot of that is because I'm lazy. I love putting on a costume. Um, I just I just uh, officiated a wedding in a Wonder Woman costume. I saw that. Yeah, I'm very. I was very happy with that. Um, very cute. But um, but the idea of using that with sex is not my thing. So because it's not my thing, I think of it as kinky, which you know is sort of ridiculous, I suppose. But and you know then <clears throat> you know to pull back from that a little bit. I mean, any of the kind of harnesses and, you know, jock straps and whatever that's sort of so common and in sort of a gay, you know, dance party sex sex sexual space or whatever, um, those would be considered costumey as well. I, I mean to certain people. So mm-hmm. um 
But we also have like people now who are just like wanting to feel closer to the Marvel universe, you know, and they're just like dressing up. And I'm like, how, what kind of kinky things are you Mm -hmm. getting to after the con? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's definitely generating some juices. There's no question. (laughs) Absolutely. And for that, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I I saw a guy um, a while ago at a party in an Omni-Man outfit. Mm. Uh, Omni-Man is like the hot dad from the Invincible um, show. Um, Super hot super super dad super dad um and bad guy but the, it makes him even hotter um but you know and that definitely i was like oh this is uh, really sexy but i um i'm definitely one of those people who i like naked sex mm-hmm. you know like all I natural feel, yeah, yeah i just feel like you know outfits get in the way yeah i hear you, know, you clothing of any kind really gets in the way i hear you um next one up wrestling or play fighting oh. as foreplay yeah, let's. Yeah, I, um, it, it, uh, I do know guys who are into it as a kink. Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend who came out very late. I think he was in his thirties or something, and he would, all he all he knew is that he was really, 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 really into wrestling. You know, for for years, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, and it, to this day, he's like all about singlets. He'll dress. He mm. dressed me up in singlets for um, uh, one time. I went over and played with him, and he dressed me in singlets and sort of got really into it. It was very sexy. Yeah. I mean, I think of it as sort of kinky, but he was like seeing how my body fit in the singlet and was sort of touching in different places and like, you know, it was cool. Um, Again, it's the feedback loop for me. I was like, sure. totally turned on by his being turned on. Um, so he's very much turned on by wrestling, and and there's all that sort of um, the jobber thing where you sort of mm. a jobber is someone who deliberately loses at, at wrestling in order right. to then be dominated. Right. So again, back to that power dynamic, uh-huh. domination submission, uh, and then if the you know the wrestler gets you know fucked at the end of it because he's lost the match. I mean, that's that's pretty hot. Yeah, I like that. Um, I have had clients who have expressed this. I mean, they would think of themselves as vanilla, but were kind of frustrated by the sex they wanted to have with someone because it wasn't as physical as they wanted it. You know, it it was. And so there is this kink that I learned through working with clients that's called primal, you know, people who are very into that physical, like, I want to feel your body. I want to like feel how strong you are, but mm-hmm. I also want you to feel my strength and have that tossling tension, you know, yes. moment either before sex or during sex. So I, I've never heard that term and that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Like that seems, I mean, I think like putting on a wrestling gear, um, putting on a wrestling gear and then jumping into a ring and doing that as, as a whole scenario this whole scene like that seems kinky to me um as a prelude to sex but if you're just like grabbing someone and like throwing them around and like you know doing a little bit of impact play like punching each other's chests and stuff like that and like trying to squeeze each other and like wrestle each other a little bit that's that just seem, doesn't seem kinky at all to me okay all right sucking toes oh i just had a guy who wanted to do that to me and he was actually wor- he didn't want it he told me later that he wanted to do that and he, he was worried about that i would be offended or be turned off because um, he was into it. And he I was, was really like, into yeah. it. I was like, oh my gosh, you should have absolutely started sucking my toes. I would have, aw. So, <laughs> you know, made me feel, aw. <laughs> um, You're accommodating, yes. Absolutely. Again, the feedback loop would have been wonderful. So <laughs> next time we, we see each other, we will, he will absolutely be sucking my toes. Amazing. Okay. And threesomes. Oh my God, that's not even, that's, I mean, come on. 
<laughs> Yesterday's news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, come on. <laughs> okay, you heard it first, everyone, that, you know, the things that you think are kinky and scary, listen, Justin just considers that a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Tuesday, even a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, giving your time, and uh, yeah, even you know, sharing a little emotional moment with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, we should have you back to talk about so much more. I so would much more. Anytime. This is such a pleasure. I, it's such an honor and a privilege. I really appreciate it. I get, and I get to be your sexy sixth. That's, that's, that's so right. cool. The yeah. first and the sixth. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Where would you like to be found on the internet or in real life? On the internet, I have a, a website, justinhallawesomecomics.com. So feel free to check me out there. Uh, it is not particularly well uh, kept up, but <laughs> but I am there. Uh, and then also on Instagram, I'm at justinhallcomics. Um, so, and then otherwise than that, I'm just sort of lurking around uh, San Francisco, doing comics events uh, um, here and abroad, uh, and then also just lurking around the, the random bars, I suppose. <laughs> Smelling armpits. <laughs> Smelling armpits in the random bars. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. How's Your Sex Life is a KCRW original podcast. Our producer is Andrea Bautista. Our executive producer is Gina Delvac. Our engineer is Nick Lamponi. Our music was created by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Special thanks to Women's Audio Mission, to Natalie Hill, Connie Alvarez, Megan Ellingbow, Arnie Seipel, and Jennifer Farrow. And last but not least, a huge thanks to our voice actor, Marquet Green. <laughs>